all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Hello. <laughs> I'm Rachel. <laughs> and I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. So you still find that funny even after like 20 episodes or something? You tend to say it different just about every time. So it, <laughs> oh, okay. It, uh, it, I'm wondering how you're going to say it. Oh, okay. Really? And, I yes, didn't know it, that it, it varies so much. Yes, it does. Okay. So it does make me laugh. Okay. <laughs> well, that's good. Still, probably always will. Oh, that's nice. Um, so usual plugs, social meets, or on social, as a lot of people say. You can oh, find us new, on social. Is that kind of like on fleek? No. Okay. <laughs> I already knew that, by the way. I was okay. Just, okay. You I were was doing just, it for comedic I effect. I was teasing the millennials. Oh, okay. Who might be listening. Um, being the rye Gen Xer you are. <laughs> that I am. We perfected smart ass. You just think you're good at it. <laughs> So at All Bad Things Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and dot com. Yes. And All Bad Things Pod at Gmail dot com. Um, we're getting little bits and pieces of little people. Well, not little people, but for little bits <laughs> of people. You never know. We might have a little people faction. We could. Yeah. That would be that, awesome. That could, that could be who is in um, not Bulgaria. Um, oh, Hungary. Hungary. Yes. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Well, or anywhere. Yeah. There are little people all over the world. There are. Yes. But because we, like, are so in the beginning stages of everything, we can still, like, call out each individual fan. So shout out to Katie, who um, reached out to us on Instagram, specifically to thank us for covering the Coconut Grove Fire, because she knew that the 75th anniversary right. was coming yeah, up. She told me about that the other day. Which is really cool that she just, she's like, oh, I knew that. Like, who knows that the 75th anniversary of a tragedy is coming up? That's pretty awesome. Katie, you're awesome. Yeah. And also... We, we did an episode about it, and we didn't even realize it. <laughs> right? It's like, I only knew it by looking it up. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you just knew it by memory. 2017 minus 1942 is 75. There you go. So, yes, that's a great encyclopedic knowledge of tragedies. That's that's impressive. Um, also, a shout out to someone I've mentioned before. I've mentioned the Yours and Murder yes. friends that we have, um, Rachel and Rebecca. Um, Rachel uh, messaged me. She was saying, you remember that you were wondering, like, you had another fire in mind Mm -hmm. We were talking about Coconut Grove, and I forget what... I had a, um, not, well, it'd be called an apparel factory now, mm -hmm. but it happened yes. in, uh, like the late 20s, or early 30s. What, so she, she is in wondering... In New York City. Yeah, so she is wondering <clears throat> if what you were thinking of, Rachel isn't wondering if what you were thinking of was the triangle shirtwaist... Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Bingo, yes. Rachel, you got it. I'll message you in a minute to let you know yes, about that. That's, that's what I was that thinking was of. Did so she put in the ear? Um, she didn't. It was like okay. 1911. I looked it oh, up. Oh, it was that early? Yeah. Okay. Or I thought 1913, it was in, one or the other. It was I thought in it the was teens. the 20s. No. Because but, I saw it on an episode of... Killed some, way fewer people, by the way, than Coconut Grove. 
It did, um, but it was considered a workplace fire, yes. which Coconut Grove was considered a nightclub fire. Yeah. Oh, because we were talking about the delineations of types of yes. fires. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember, I think I saw it on Nat- National Geographic. I saw like a half hour thing about it. Oh, okay. Um, and I won't give any details because that is one we should definitely cover. Yes, I agree. I had um, never heard of it. But um, but they said it was the deadliest workplace fire mm-hmm. until 9-11. Oh, okay. Uh, work. Okay, yeah, for all the people in the offices. Yes. Oh, okay, but but there were weren't other industrial accidents since then that were worse. Mm, not from a fire, I guess, because it said oh, on the from a fire. Specific, yes, mm, As, this was specifically a fire. But it was a it was a fire caused. Nine eleven was a fire caused by a plane. <laughs> it was caused by terrorism, but it was still a fire. Uh, and this was but caused it was also by a building collapse. Right. You can't just say it was a fire. Well, I mean, that killed people, too. But Then they couldn't know how many people died in 9-11 from fire from versus collapse. From the fire, collapse. specifically, no. Yeah. There was no way to find that out. Yeah. Specifically. They mm-hmm. they could make a guesstimate. I feel like that that delineation is a little... Uh, that's what it said. Okay. And I was just like... I was like, oh, Well, if Nat Geo says it, who are we? To... And... Uh, Rachel. Yes. Mm-hmm. From... From Yours and Murder. Yes. Nailed it. She she was correct. That's, that's exactly that's what I was thinking That's freaking of. awesome. Yeah. Like, I, I'm, I'm very proud of Katie and Rachel for their knowledge of disasters, because they clearly su- far supersede mine, because <laughs> I'm the one who does all this research, and I didn't know about, about those in such detail. So, bravo, ladies. Yes, bravo, Katie, for uh, reading my mind. No, that was Rachel who read or, your mind. Rachel, I'm sorry. But Katie knew about the um, anniversary. Yes. So, yes, I'm impressed by both. Bravo to Katie and Rachel. Indeed. For picking my brain in different ways. Yes, they can <laughs> read you better than I can, apparently. <laughs> um, and uh, still getting lots of love on Twitter from the pod people, meaning okay. our podcast friends, our, our pod squad. I like pod people. <laughs> I know you do, because yes. you used it in our first promo, I yes. think, or one of our first promos, yeah. Um, and we don't mean that in a disingenuous way. No, it's fun. Yes. yes. You're our pod people. Yes. And so our... And it's also a reference to a horror movie. Yes. Which makes it yes. better. <laughs> a very B horror movie that <laughs> MST3K definitely covered. I remember pod people. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just such a lovely little environment on... <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this. On Twitter. <laughs> of, it, uh, it can be when you seek it out. Right? Of a bunch of podcasts who just like each other and have commented on each other's stuff and everything. It's a really, it's a really nice little group and I, I like it's it. It's fun. Yes, it's very fun. That's, that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Um, beer of the night for me, well, I had um, Burial's uh, Blade and Sheath Farmhouse Ale, which was good. You don't have to mention what you're drinking. Well, I meant to, and now that... Oh. I meant to grab the. Uh, I'll mention it. I'm okay. Not, I'm not currently drinking it, but I will later. Okay, we'll Trust mention me. it later. Um, at the moment, oh, and I didn't give you a sip of this. You should try this. This is Duclaw, which I love. Duclaw. They're they're not local. They're out of of um, Baltimore, and I'd love to go there one day because I love their beer. But it's an eight. They're, they're out of Voldemort. The Voldemort, right. exactly. Oh, no, isn't that, aren't you supposed to not say his name or something? Something like that. Okay. It's the 865cc coffee stout brewed in collaboration with Cafe Racer Triple X or 30. I don't know who they are, but it is delicious and very coffee tasting. 
That Isn't that good? good. Yes. Yeah. But I'd also like to plug, um, we were in Winston-Salem over Thanksgiving weekend mm-hmm. doing our annual hike in uh, Hanging Rock on Black Friday in North, this is North Carolina, by the way, for those who are not in North Carolina. But we tried, well, first of all, we went to Small Batch Brewing mm-hmm. in downtown Winston-Salem, which is a fun place, has some very inventive beers. Um, and then we were going to go to, Hi- um, no, I always get Highland and Foothills mixed up. I don't know why. Foothills mm-hmm. Brewing, which is also there. The, F- Foothills has some great, like, good drinking beers. They're, like, solid beers. Um, and their Moravian Porter, which comes out this time of year, is delicious. It's really good. We had that last um, year. But they were one in, one out. Mm-hmm. They were just... Well, it was packed. Yeah, they were packed up. But it was And really, this is not the brewery we no, were going to. This was, this was the tap room mm-hmm. we were going to. But, uh... And it was packed. There was a band playing. Yeah. And we were just, like... Uh, like I wasn't into seeing a band that night. No, we were just wanting to chill. Yeah, but a couple doors down was a really fun place. Corks, caps, and taps. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a wine and beer. They had wine, beer, and uh, no, no liquor. No liquor. Uh-uh. But uh, wine, wine and, and I think the guy had fifty taps. It no, was a I lot. think it was like twenty-five, maybe. No. Uh, oh, no, the stuff that was listed was only like twenty-five or something. He had more than it's that. like two boards worth. No. But anyway, there was a there there was a good selection and plenty of bottles too. Yes. Um, and homemade uh, jalapeno syrup or something was, like that. Yeah, here. it was like a it was like an extract or something like mm-hmm. that that he'd put into a beer. Like yeah. Certain beers that he made to spice them up, or beers that people shift them mm-hmm. to uh, spice them up. And I had <laughs> you had a strong reaction. I, I had some of that, and yeah. It was very hot. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, just plugging a couple of um, local NC yeah. uh, fun places to go. So if you're ever in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Stay downtown. First yes. Of all. Stay downtown. You can walk to everything. It'll it'll be a little more expensive than staying outside the city. But you but, save on but the But you'll lift. save money on, yeah, a cab or gas that... Because you can just walk everywhere. Mm-hmm. So if you ever find yourself in Winston-Salem, mm-hmm. stay downtown. You can mm-hmm. walk everywhere, and there's all kinds of fun things to Oh, do. and Reboot, the, yes. um, the, arcade, the, barcade. the barcade. Great elderflower cocktail, mm-hmm. which I think is my new jam, elderflower. <laughs> elderflower cocktails. Should we we're, probably... We're going to have to wind up cutting most of this. We've been Probably. <laughs> should we move on to the disaster now? I think we should. Okay. When, so. when the jam came out, it was like, okay, <laughs> then we need to end this. All right, let's get down to business. We're getting down to business now. So this is actually part one of a an at least two-parter. I'm thinking it's just going to be a two-parter, but who knows. Um, so you're saying it could go to a three. It, there's the potential because, okay. I mean, if we talk about beer for ten minutes like we have now, <laughs> it could um, and what was our first two-parter for the for the audience? Columbia. Space Shuttle Columbia disaster. Yes. Yeah, that was our first two-parter. Were you quizzing me? I was. Oh. You didn't think I knew. 
No, I, I knew you knew. Okay. Just a, yeah. All right. Just refreshing for the audience. Yeah. I gotcha. Because at first you just said Columbia. I'm like, Columbia? What? The country? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> the disaster that is the country of Columbia? <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they do have some issues, but don't we all? That would be a three-parter. Well, the, the disaster of the country that is the United States of America would be like a 3,062-parter. Yeah. Well, there is so. a recent 12-hour documentary just on that that I watched, and it didn't even cover everything. Is that the Oliver Stone one that <laughs> yes. you're thinking of? Yeah. Anyway, this disaster is Hurricane Andrew. So, this is our first hurricane. Yes. Well, actually, let me do the stats. And then let me do the preamble. There's a whole preamble to this one. Okay. Yes. On August 24th, 1992, so just past the 25th anniversary, Hurricane Andrew struck South Florida, killing 44 and causing $26.5 billion in damage. <sighs> yeah. So, a couple things. Like, why are... There's a lot of disasters out there to, to cover, and when it comes to hurricanes, for those of us in the U.S., there's basically one hurricane that stands out to the entire country, the big one, Hurricane Katrina. Sure. Um, and we will 100% cover Hurricane Katrina at some, at some point. I absolutely promise you. Um, but there's a reason I'm, I'm starting with Hurricane Andrew. First of all, the timing of when we're releasing this episode is we're recording this December 1st. Yesterday, November 30th was the last day of hurricane season. The official end. Official end of hurricane season for 2017. And it was a bitch of a season. It really, really was. was. Um, It was really bad. It was bad for Texas, for Florida, terrible for the Bahamas and obviously notoriously for Puerto Rico, which is still suffering. And there's still a oh, yeah. lot Puerto of people. Rico, half of Puerto Rico, I believe, is still in the dark. It, it's it's been incredibly devastating. And there are a lot of people doing a lot of good work. Um, do you know who the chef um, Jose Andres is? Uh-uh. Okay, so I only know him from because you know I like to watch. Even though I'm a vegan, I watch Top Chef for some reason. <laughs> um, and I think he's been on that. He's been on some reality um, uh, food shows and such. Um, but I follow him on Twitter. He seems like a really nice guy. First of all, he, um, turned down, I forget what the exact story was, but he turned down the chance to, um, be like head chef at one of Trump's new places. He's like, yeah, go fuck yourself. So I was like, okay, I like this guy, but he has been in Puerto Rico, like doing direct work to try and feed people down there, like good food. So I find that really admirable. So there's a lot of people working very hard in Puerto Rico, and it's a it's an excellent cause if you can spare any resources, obviously. Um, so there, there's it, this has been a rough hurricane season for a lot of people, and it happens every single year that this could happen. Not that it is this devastating, but it, it could be. Um, and the, it, it pops up here and there a lot more frequently than it used to. Like the devastation. Well, the devastation has seemed to be getting worse and worse, yes. And Hurricane Andrew, historically, is kind of one of the first bad ones in recent memory. Yes. And you you told me that we were going to do this. Yes. So I knew, and uh, you did say it was 1992. Mm -hmm. For some reason in my mind, I had it 1991. Um, I was thinking I was a freshman in high school. 
when this happened. You were a sophomore. I could have been because you know the it years crossover. And I think it was just before. And the only reference I had for this was I'm pretty sure um, the Buffalo Bills were supposed to play in Miami. <laughs> it's the Bills. But, but just listen. Okay. Hear I me gotcha, out. I gotcha. I think they were supposed to play in Miami like week two. Oh, but And they couldn't no because way. of Hurricane Andrew. Yeah. Had just flattened like a lot of that area. And there, there yeah. was an NFL game in Miami at that time, right. was just not going to happen. Well, even this year with Hurricane Irma, they didn't have week no. one. And luckily, that just happened to be between the two Both, cities yes, that, 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 <laughs> that suffered the most damage. So. It was the Dolphins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> yes. So yeah, the two the two cities that couldn't have played that weekend anyway were, were supposed were to be playing each, each other. other. Yeah, yeah, we're supposed to play each other, exactly. So yeah, that couldn't have worked out any, any mm-hmm. better, and there was no way that that was the contingency plan. <laughs> yes. It was just... It just wound up happening that way. So even though November 30th is the, quote, official last day of hurricane season, there have been named storms in, storms in all 12 months of the year. Because okay. obviously, uh, hurricanes do not pay attention to no. what we consider to be, quote, season no. or not. Um, well, when, when we even, when we categorize it as a season, we're talking about this is when, like, the, the bad... The most common, yeah, yes, and the, exactly. And the most devastating ones are going to happen. When you have to be the most on your guard, yeah. basically, yeah. doesn't mean that a Category 1 can't hit in December. No. It's just that if well, it... If or it, anything, yeah. If it does, like, it's not going to be that bad. Well, so far, I mean, no. we don't know what it's going to end up like, but, but yeah. Um, so, um... Sort of to wrap up about this hurricane season, I was in Miami in the days leading up to Hurricane Irma, (laughs) helping my grandparents move, and um, my mom and I literally ended up in bumper-to-bumper traffic getting out of there to come back up here before the hurricane actually hit. Your sister and her family Mm -hmm. were in the hurricane. A lot of your aunts and uncles had property on the west, have property on the west coast. Yeah. So yeah, that this this season has impacted our families as well. Irma was the first hurricane that I had been through, even though I'm not going through it. I well, was your sister—it was your sister's first hurricane. It was the first hurricane that affected people that I actually knew, like very closely, right. mm-hmm. and it affected like five or six people that I knew like very closely, and it was. Well, and I was I was just like, yeah, get out of Florida. Right. Well, it, Please. <laughs> it, it wasn't that dire, and and for good reason. Mm-hmm. There's that we'll discuss in the next episode when we talk about the fallout of Andrew, mm-hmm. which led to a lot of building yes, code it did. stuff yes, and it did. whatnot. But uh, but anyway, so we're quote celebrating <laughs> the end of hurricane season. Like yay, we can all breathe a little bit if we're in the southeastern or southwest United States. Um, by talking about Hurricane Andrew. Now, like I said, there's a reason I picked Hurricane Andrew over, say, Katrina as our first hurricane, because this is our first hurricane. It is. Um, Hurricane Andrew was by no means the deadliest. No. Not even close. No. Hurricane. You said 44 people? 44 people in Florida. I think okay. it was 65 overall. We'll get a little more into That's that. That's pretty bad uh, at that time. But but nowadays, it's just... Like, right. It's oh. gotten worse and worse, and yeah. for various reasons, but... I really wanted to make this our first hurricane for very personal reasons. Just like you said, Irma was the first hurricane that you sort of have been through vicariously. Mm-hmm. 
Andrew was the first hur- major hurricane within my lifetime that hit South Florida, which at the time, literally all of my family, or almost all of my family, was living in South Florida. Yeah. Aunts and uncles, grandparents. Um, Everybody. Friends. We Our church that we had gone to. Yeah, the whole bit. So this is this is a little bit of a um, a personal episode for me, and we're gonna have a lot more personal touch by way of our first all bad things interviews. <laughs> Yay! With some of my family our members debut, who lived through it. Our debut interviews. Yes, our, our debut interviews. Debut interviews. Debut interviews. Debut interviews. Debut interviews. Debut interviews. That's a really. Those are two hard words to combine. Debut interviews. Debut. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it just came it out is. verse. Verse. <laughs> Debut interviews. <laughs> Debut interviews. Very good. We're gonna coin that phrase. You owe us five cents if you say it from now on. <laughs> it's trademark. <laughs> so it's hard to explain, like the emotional and the psychological impact that Hurricane Andrew had on South Florida, but it. It was huge. It was highly significant. Um, South Florida is obviously uh, like a hurricane magnet. It's the <laughs> I've heard it. I've heard Florida described as the penis of America. <laughs> it's just like sticking it's out there on its own. Yeah, it's a it's a peninsula, and uh, it's it's obviously like an easy target for a lot of Atlantic hurricanes. Um, but as far as Andrew was concerned, it had been quite some time since a big hurricane had impacted the area in especially like more modern times, like not the 60s or whatever. Um, and it's really one of those cultural earmarks of the region. Like it's like people in South Florida especially a little while back, not quite as much anymore, but um, measured things like before Andrew and after Andrew. Sure. It was a, it was it a split a, in time. Yeah. It had a, hu- it had a huge It changed impact. everything in that area. Mm-hmm. And in fact, now that Andrew was 25 years ago, a lot of younger people down in South Florida don't remember it or weren't alive for it, and that's had its own effect too. Sure. Um, but anyway, yeah, so big, big cultural earmark. To explain, I am from South Florida. I was born in South Miami, um, but moved because my dad got transferred in his job when I was like four with my family. So in 1992, we were actually living in Minnesota, about as far away from Miami as you could get. We moved back when I was 11, so that's why we weren't there at the time. But I am very glad not to have lived through this. I would have been seven. Young enough that it probably wouldn't have been a huge deal, but I imagine my you mom... You would have remembered it. I would have remembered it, absolutely. Sure. But it wouldn't have probably, like, I don't know, maybe it would have been traumatic. It sure sounds traumatic from some of the accounts, um, but I have a feeling it would have been highly traumatic for my parents, you know? Yeah. That's just a tough oh, thing they're, to... Yeah. They're trying to protect their kids, so yeah. of course that would be... You're just like, oh, a hurricane, what's that? <laughs> right? <laughs> when you're seven. Well... What is a hurricane, sir? Can you explain, since this is our first hurricane, what? how does a hurricane form? What is it? What's the deal, Leo, with hurricanes? Don't ask me that question. Why? No, I'm kidding. Just just go into it. Oh, okay. Because I'll, I'll fumble it. That's okay, I, mean. I gotcha, I gotcha. 
So we're talking specifically about Atlantic hurricanes. So, so there are, uh, now hurricanes, hurricane is a terminology for a type of tropical cyclone. But tropical cyclones can occur anywhere in the world, basically, or in many regions of the world, and um, in the Pacific Ocean, Indian Ocean, um, and depending where on where they occur, they're called different things. Um, they're called tropical storms or hurricanes in the Atlantic um, and the Northeast Pacific as well. A typhoon is the same thing as a hurricane. Yes. It's just in the Northwest Pacific. Or there are variations on tropical cyclone, like in the Indian Ocean and the South Pacific. So if you're in the U.S. and you've heard of a typhoon, it's it's the same as a hurricane. Yeah. Tropical storm, tropical cyclone, all this, all in the same family. It just depends on its intensity that it starts getting named different things as far as the Atlantic hurricanes it season just, is. It just depends on the culture you're in. Well, it depends on, on the region you're in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, but there's, there's like, a little more specific ties to, like, government agencies and stuff, like the National Hurricane Center or NOAA sure. and stuff like that. No, but I'm saying, like, every region has, like, its own culture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So. Yep. Gotcha. So, as far as hurricanes go, their name varies according to their intensity, too. Measured by maximum sustained winds or lowest barometric pressure. So high winds, low barometric pressure equals more intense storm. That's the idea. Um, so the, the term hurricane is used. So again, we're sort of starting to narrow our focus into the Atlantic hurricane season because that's what Hurricane Andrew was. So hurricane is used once 10 minutes sustained winds in a tropical, <laughs> in a tropical cyclone hit 64 miles an hour. So it becomes a hurricane at 64 mile an hour, 10 minute tropical (laughs) maximum sustained winds. So until then, it's known as a tropical storm or a tropical depression. So it sort of upgrades. Just think of how like heavy 64 mile an hour winds are, and that's the baseline. That's the that's the tiny Mm -hmm. insignificant hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh, it's only 64 miles. Oh, it's no big deal. If it was 62, it'd be a tropical storm. Mm Hmm. So once it's a hurricane, it's categorized into categories. Or um, as uh, the hip kids call it, cat one, cat two, cat three, cat four, cat five. It's cat five, dude. It's like the kiss of death, actually, cat five, because it's bad. That means it's bad. You need to stop hanging out at coffee houses. I don't hang out at coffee houses. That makes it even worse. So the categories of one to five are on the Sapphire Simpson scale. That's how they're categorized. One, two, three, four, five. With each category based on maximum sustained winds. So okay. just like 64 miles an hour is the baseline. So that'd be a category one. If it's sustaining a 64 mile an hour wind. Well, you know what? Now I'm looking at it. I'm contradicting myself. I think it's 74. I think okay. I... I think it's 74, because category one is maximum sustained winds of 74 to 95 miles per hour. Okay. Category two is 96 to 110. Jesus. That's um, only a two. Yeah. A category three is 111 to 129. Category four is 130 to 156. And a category five is 157 and up. What was Andrew? A category four? Five, it was sir. A five. Oh yes. Really? Damn. 
Oh, yes. And what was it? 157 miles an hour plus? plus? Mm-hmm. Unt- basically until oh, your oh, equipment oh. breaks. Wow. Yeah. So. Oh, shit. I yeah. didn't know. I didn't know this was category five. Oh yeah. Because not even Katrina or was Katrina. I. You know what? I gotta say I don't remember. But these pass the the, the ones oh. that were category threes and fours. So, so um, when they hit Florida for sure, I do think Irma was a category five at one point, but I don't think it was a category five when it hit Florida. Okay. It, I'm not sure at what point it downgraded, but because because these storms can upgrade and downgrade in in probably on a dime almost. Well, well yeah. If, if, the, if the pressure, just, it, it depends yeah. on a lot of factors. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If the pressure all of a sudden drops again, then yeah. You know. the intensity goes up, yeah. yeah, or it hits warm water, and mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like we said, for the hurricane season, June first to November thirtieth is the time where it's most significant, statistically likely that hurricanes will form in the Atlantic. Yeah. And it's really the only only time you're going to see a Category Five is in that time frame. Well, I, I can't speak to that. Cannot speak to that. I'm just most saying that. Likely. It, well, like I said, it's yeah. statistically that yeah. that's the biggest the peak in activity. Likely. And the biggest peak within that season is August and September. Yeah. So it's not like June and July like you might think. It's usually a little bit more towards the middle. Late summer, early fall. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Hurricane Wilma, which I did live through, um, was just before Halloween. So you can get some pretty significant Mm. damage even pretty late in the season. So that's why, like, December 1st comes along and... <sighs> okay. Kind of like, all right. A little bit. There's a lot less chance that something's going to Pretty much form. the worst is over. For, for this season, yeah. they, it'll come around again next season. So, once a tropical disturbance upgrades to a tropical storm, it gets named. So, once the, the winds hit a certain maximum sustained uh, measurement... That's when they get named. They get named from a list of six six lists of names in alphabetical order. A A to A to Z. And I think they they skip like Q and X and a couple of random letters, you know, uncommon name letters. Um, But storms. mm -hmm. What would you name a hurricane? If you could just name. Q. Like like starting with the letter Q. Quentin. Quincy. Quint. (laughs) um, Quint. The first thing that came to my mind for some reason was Qantas, <laughs> the Australian That's a great airline. Name. <laughs> but they would probably have a problem with that. Yeah, they Qantas, Hurricane Qantas. Um, quince, that means fifteen in Spanish. All right. Um, Qualtrics. That just sounds like a medication. <laughs> Or a pharmaceutical probably, company. Probably is. It might be. It's probably both. Oh, no, it is something. Qualtrics, I've heard. Oh, I think it's a, a, a survey company. I think we worked with it um, when I worked in market research marketing. It anyway. Sounds, yeah. It sounds more like a Qualtrics. Qualtrics. Ask your doctor what <laughs> Qualtrics, Qualtrics can do for you. May cause. <laughs> so if you're, out there, if you're out there at Qualtrics, we just gave you a plug. <laughs> can you send us a six-pack? S- send us something. <laughs> So, but once a storm of significance has happened, that name gets retired. So, in other words, there will never be another Hurricane Andrew. Sure. There will, but there may have been Hurricane Andrews in the past. Sure. There will never be another Hurricane Katrina, but there were probably Hurricane Katrinas in the past. 
Irma, Harvey, Sandy, all of those have been retired at this point. So as for their structure, a hurricane structure or tropical cyclone, at the center of the tropical cyclone is the notorious eye mm-hmm. of the storm, which is usually about 20 to 40 miles wide. Wow. Do you like my little? I do. I'm like I'm like demonstrating how wide that is by like not even bringing my hands all the way out. It's that big. <laughs> it's it's my was, wingspan. That was the twenty you were showing me first. It was the twenty to forty? Oh, yes, exactly. I'm sure that plays well on a podcast. Visual humor, <laughs> and it has surpri- the eye has surprisingly calm weather inside of it. The eye of the storm. You know, yes. it's called that for a reason. Now, just outside of. The eye is the eye wall, which has the worst winds of the storm. So basically, you get, if you end up experiencing the eye of a hurricane, you get pummeled, then you experience the eye, then you get pummeled again, because all of those winds around it are the worst. So you don't want to go through the eye of the storm, even though the eye itself is pretty calm. Now, outside of the eye wall are other bands of rain. So it's not like just some giant big cloud. Because it's circling, it's a cyclone, sure. it's moving in, in, a, in, in a circular motion, there's, there's these bands of rain. So you can get, and, it, and I've experienced this, it's, an, it's a weird experience. There's like this torrential rain for a while and then like relative calm just maybe some drizzling or just some normal rain and then it whips through again and then you just get this it's like this on and off sort of experience it's very strange it's like that for a while oh yes well it depends depends on how fast the storm is moving and how big it is you know some storms move really damn slow and end up just dumping on one section you know one geographical area and some move really quickly, some are just enormous, you know, so it just really depends. So as far as hurricanes go, for the record, I've been through Hurricane Irene in 99, so I was in South Florida for that, um, and it really, really didn't do a whole lot of damage to the area, except meaning South Florida. I was, I did go through Hurricane Katrina which I've told you, Mm -hmm. it passed through South Florida before it went to, notoriously, um, the Gulf Coast. Um, So as I recall, and I was like 20 when this, no, yeah, 20 when this happened, um, like we didn't, I don't remember hearing a whole lot about the devastation in New Orleans Mm -hmm. until a while afterwards because we were still cleaning up from Katrina it it was it was much much less damage obviously it was it was really almost nothing comparatively but it still did a lot of flooding wind all that stuff that comes along with the nuisance part of a hurricane mm-hmm. so so it did go through Katrina and then through Wilma which I mentioned um, which was definitely the most impactful storm I remember so uh, power loss and flooding are like the two main things sure. I remember as being the biggest issue. And then we moved to North Carolina in 2006. So, and we experienced Hurricane Matthew last year? Yes, we got the remnants of it. We did. We get we got a little bit of the we remnants lost, of a hurricane. We lost power for three days, uh, we two did. days. Yeah, it was a few days. That's when we triggered the inventory at work. That mm. was, <laughs> work was worse than home. Well, it's all, it always is. But still, mm. or always was. Now work is home. <laughs> home is work. Work is home. But, uh... 
but even though I I know that we went through those three storms, I know we like hunkered down more times than that, which sure. is just to say like <laughs> closed all the shutters and stayed Take indoors. Yeah, for storms because there does come a point where they can become really unpredictable and you don't know exactly yeah. where they're going to go. So So for anyone who's never been through a hurricane, which I imagine if you're not in a tropical area or Gulf Coast region of the U.S. or in certain parts of the world, um, you probably haven't. If you want to know what it's like in sort of the short answer is it's a gigantic pain in the ass. It's really obnoxious. Um, Now, there are really like horrifying storms like Harvey or Katrina or some of the really, really devastating storms that are much worse than just a pain in the ass. But most storms are exactly just that. So um, people flip out when a storm is headed your way. There's a run on water, bread, milk, canned goods at the grocery store. Gas lines are literally around the block. Like I experienced this when down in Miami just before Irma. Like you couldn't stay in the right lane on Sunset Drive because people were trying to pull into uh, gas stations. So that's really obnoxious. Home Depot sells out of plywood, flashlights, candles, generators, all that stuff. There's a if if you're living and working there, there's a lot of like waiting to see what schools will close and when or workplaces and when. I remember I went to Miami Dade College. There's one time where there was a big like, oh, are we gonna close? Are we not? Are we gonna have class? Are we not gonna have class? It's really annoying. Um, you have to be in a safe place. So if you're in a low-lying area or a high-rise or something, chances are you're going to have to evacuate. Sure. Either to the home of someone you know, a shelter, or even a hotel room mm-hmm. in some cases, or get out of the state, basically. Or at least out of the, the area. Um, if you stay at home, or even if you don't, and you just need to keep your, your actual house safe... You have to secure your windows and doors, which tape does not work. My God, tape does not work. Um, But fortunately, for most people nowadays, that means storm shutters, hurricane, or impact-resistant windows, what have you. Um, Sometimes you fill up your bathtub with water so that you can gravity flush your toilet should anything happen to the water supply. If you're on a well system, then if your power goes, your water goes, which really sucks. Um... So basically, you're getting ready to, first of all, stay safe, and second of all, live without electricity or the, or transporta- transportation, potentially for days on end. Now, the storm itself is usually not so bad. You're in a safe place. It can be scary sounding because you're hearing a lot of storm sounds outside. But if you're inside, like we were at my grandparents, we always hunkered down at my grandparents' house. It's pitch black because all of the shutters are up. Sure. So you're hearing all of this, but you can't see any of it. Well, that's why you get the candles and the flashlights. Well, no, what I'm saying is you can't see the storm. It's yeah. very, it's a very weird... Yeah. Probably surreal. Sen- yeah, it is kind of. Like all this chaos is going on outside. Right. And you're just trying to visualize it because right. you can't actually see it. Right. And the power is almost guaranteed to go out at some sure. point. Just, you know, just even off the, with wind. Just off the wind alone. Yes, and storms. If you get 35 mile an hour winds, mm-hmm. that can knock out power lines. You know, we're talking about sure. triple digit winds. And you literally have no idea when it will go back on. Yeah. It could be right away. It could yeah. be could a be day or two. Or it could days. be weeks. Yeah. 
and it has been even in less impactful storms than the one we're going to talk about. So afterwards, you have to live with the fallout of no power. Um, with Wilma, I think we were out for like three days, but we knew people who were out for weeks yeah. on end. Um, you can eventually venture out onto the roads, but it's a clusterfuck, especially in South Florida, where traffic itself is just terrible all the time. <laughs> even when the power is on. Yes. <laughs> there can be bad flooding I, oh on the roads. Oh, God, I can't even imagine what that would be like. I would literally, like, completely lose my shit. <laughs> yes, you would. Um, so there's flooding. Traffic lights are out, and no one knows how to treat them, which, by the way, PSA, it's a four-fucking-way stop. And if you don't know what a four-way stop is, it means stop when you come to the light that's out. If someone on your right has come up at the exact same time you have, they get the right-of-way. Otherwise, it's first-come, first-serve. If you're the person on the right, you goddamn go already. This is maybe a triggering point for me. I, I think it might have been. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, just a little. So, and, because, we're not, and we're not even off page one yet. <laughs> no, we're not. We're still on the back. This could be a three-parter, four-parter, five-parter. Who knows? Jesus. So, um, because the street lights are out, you can't go out too late because it's pitch black. Yeah. No lights. It's... I learned that the hard way. I have been through an actual blackout before. Like, this mm-hmm. only affected the Northeast in 2003. So, unless you were living in the Northeast in 2003, right. you have no recollection of this. But there was a big blackout that was caused by a power outage somewhere in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And it spread throughout. A grid, like. Yes. You couldn't see. You could barely see your hand in front I of your know. face. Yeah. I mean, you really could. Mm-hmm. Because also that night, it, happened, there were, it was just one of those nights where it was cloudy and you couldn't see the moon at all, which yeah. made it even more dark. Mm-hmm. So you think of dark now as, oh, streetlights here and there. Right. No, this is pitch This black. is freaking, yep. you know, <clears throat> cavemen like our ancestors. Like, this is what they experienced in the dark. You couldn't see a thing. Yeah, plus nothing is really open when the power is out, so there's nothing to do even if you could go out. Sure. Um, plus, now this was not so much for, like, the New York blackout, but uh, when you're in Miami and the power goes out in the summer, everything is blazing hot because there's no air conditioning. Anyway, that's what, like, a, a typical storm is like going so, through it in South Florida. So like you were saying before, for the most part, it's a giant pain in the ass. Bingo. Now, here's the problem about Andrew. It was not a typical storm. Not not at all. It kind of came out of nowhere, correct? Let's talk about where it came oh, from. Oh, okay. Good segue. Oh. So let's that, talk that's, about that's where the only Andrew thing I really from. remember about it mm-hmm. is that nobody was predicting that this was going to be bad. Then all of a sudden, like two days later, it's like, uh, yeah, this is pretty bad. Yep, and we are going to hear about that too. So tropical cyclones need warm water to form, so that's generally why they form along the equator or close-ish to the equator. For storms that end up hitting the United States, most form off the west coast of Africa. Um, Some estimates pin it around 85% of storms that hit the U.S. have formed off the coast of West Africa. So it's just essentially just moving right across the Atlantic. Yes, moving west. Mm -hmm. West and north across the Atlantic, exactly. Um, And that's exactly how Hurricane Andrew formed. So on August 14th, 1992... 
So this was two, uh, 10 days before it hit South Florida. A tropical wave moved off the west coast of Africa. That's how they start. By the night of August 16th, two days later, it was Tropical Depression 3. So the third tropical depression of the season. And at first it encountered some wind shear that stopped it from intensifying. But the shear eventually decreased, allowing the storm to intensify. And so it was named as it became a tropical storm. Tropical Storm Andrew, midday, August 17th. So here's something to keep in mind. This was the first named storm of the Atlantic hurricane season. A is ah, for Andrew. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of a late, late-er-ish start to the hurricane late season. Late bloomer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of, a, of a hurricane season. Yeah. There was two and a half months into hurricane season, and this was the first named storm. But it only takes one. So Andrew teetered between being well-formed, organized, and disorganized as far as a, a, a storm is concerned. Um, by August 19th, they sent a hurricane hunter into the storm, which I'm fascinated by these hurricane hunters, air crews that go into the storm. You're talking about the guys on like the the really well-built helicopters. Is that what you're talking about? Well, it's aircraft. I'm not sure what type of aircraft they are, um, but they basically just fly into a tropical cyclone to learn more about it. That's which crazy. is If it weren't so dangerous, I would love to do that. Yeah, I'll never do that. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'll never jump out of a plane. So. I'll probably never do that either. But you were at least up for it. I've never been up for I that. I was up for it at one point in my life. I, th- I think I'm good with that now. I wasn't up for it even when I was, like, a teenager, so. <laughs> um, anyway, this particular hurricane hunter couldn't find a well-defined eye in Andrew on the 17th. This is a week before it hit Florida. Um, so it seemed to indicate it wasn't a very well-organized storm. It was kind of... So he's just like, yeah, this wasn't that bad of a flight. Uh, it's, yeah. Well, a tight eye is associated with strong storms, yeah. and it didn't have one. So it wasn't looking too terrible at that point. Um, a high-pressure system pushed Andrew more to the west, and then it started to organize itself a little bit better. And an eye eventually formed. And this is after the guy flew into it. Oh, yes. Yeah, this is a few days after. So on August 22nd, the storm became Hurricane Andrew. Now, keep in mind, it hit South Florida on the 24th. So this is just a couple days before. It's a Category 1. In two days, it's going to become a Category oh, 5. man. And hit South Florida, yes. So, um... So nobody was... Essentially what you're saying is nobody was really prepping for it all that much? Well, we're going to hear more about that in just a little bit. Okay. First-hand accounts, no less. So, Shit. yes. Um, at this point, it was located about 650 miles east-southeast of Nassau, Bahamas. Um, and just before it became a hurricane, the forecast was that Andrew would land in Jupiter, Florida, which is a little bit up the coast, the east coast of Florida, like 60 miles north of Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So not so much south-south Florida, but moving into more the mid-south, mid Kind of around coast. the middle. Yeah. Some. A, l- a little bit more towards that area. Definitely not considered the uh, the south. Not, not, certainly not Dade yeah. Bowder Monroe, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was estimated that it would hit with winds of about 105 miles an hour, which is far from a Category 5, um, on August 25th. So needless to say, all of this was wrong. 
just two days out, they had it all wrong. It was going to go farther north, be less intense. Um, and so that just was not the case. So between August 22nd and August 23rd, so like within a 48 to like 60, 72 hour period, or no, no, less I'm getting my math less, wrong. Less than that. 24 to 36 <laughs> to 48 hour period. And, and uh, the sun result revolves around the earth, right? And that's a year or whatever I said that one time. Well, it was no, a, I know. I it said was a day. Oh, that's right. I said that the, the, the earth revolved around, around the sun a once a day. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly how it works, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Which, according to the movie Interstellar, they probably found, they've probably found a galaxy where that right. does happen. So even though this was a super intense storm, it actually wasn't a very large storm. Um, winds of 35 miles per hour, so the fringe of this storm, only extended out of the center of the storm by about 90 miles. So, so it was relatively so not, compact. So not too bad. Or, well, in size, only in size we're yeah. talking about. Now, recently when Hurricane Irma was coming, it freaked a lot of people out because one of the things that was like going around Facebook was a comparison of the size of Irma and the size of Andrew. Because Andrew was the most recent devastating hurricane to South Florida, um, and her, Andrew was significantly smaller than Irma. Irma, like, could cover the entire state of Florida. Andrew was much more compact. The thing is, Irma did not end up being as intense as Andrew, so that was kind of the, the thing. Um... So the first impact to land of Hurricane Andrew was the Bahamas. Five districts of the Bahamas, North Eleuthera, New Providence, North Andros, Bimini, and the mm -hmm. Berry Islands. Um, and other islands could were, were also feeling tropical storm force winds. So it's just, these were just the areas that were experiencing hurricane force winds. Um... There was a fair amount of damage, totaling about $250 million, which is closer to like a half a billion in today's dollars, though the worst damage was in the lesser populated islands, so that was lesser damage because there's just fewer people. 800 homes were destroyed, leaving 1,700 homeless, five schools were destroyed, and there was obviously severe damage to infrastructure and industry, so... On August 23rd, Andrew made landfall on Eleuthera, a Bahamian island a bit to the east of Nassau, with winds of 160 miles an hour, so clearly a Category 5. There was a significant storm surge described, as, described by locals as, quote, a mighty wall of water. Wow. Which just sounds scary. Um, and one village in the northwestern part of the island recorded a storm surge of 7.2 meters or 25 feet high. Holy shit. Yeah. Many homes were destroyed. The hurricane caused several tornadoes, which is a very dangerous side effect of hurricanes. You know when a hurricane is coming, you never know when a tornado is coming. So tornadoes are scary. At least I find tornadoes really, really frightening. Um, now... In subsequent analysis, it was determined that the advanced warning of Hurricane Andrew actually helped keep the death toll in the Bahamas pretty low. There were three direct and one in one indirect fatalities in the Bahamas as a result of the storm. So actually relatively that's low. Too, that's not bad. Yeah. 
considering. Yeah. Right. So the storm weakened a bit and hit the Barry Islands northwest of Nassau um, in the Bahamas with winds of 150 miles per hour. So just below a category five. Just below, yes. Might as well be. Right. Um, there was significant property and infrastructure damage, but no deaths that were reported. So aside from the direct damage, it was estimated that tourism declined about 20% in the months after the hurricane. So it does a lot of fiscal damage, you know, even outside of direct property damage. Well, it's hitting places that are sunny and set up for tourist Tourism, dollars. exactly. So exactly. if your infrastructure around that crumbles, mm-hmm. guess what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're going to see a drop in tourism. So as Andrew moved away from the Bahamas toward Florida, it hit the warm waters of the Gulf Stream, which helped it intensify quickly. At 8 a.m. on Sunday, August 23rd, the first hurricane warnings were issued for southeast Florida from Vero Beach in the north to the Keys in the south. Um, Then governor of Florida, any guesses? Do you know who governor of Florida was in 1992? I don't. Lawton Childs. Oh. One Lawton Childs. Have you ever I, heard? That's who I was going to guess. Have you ever heard of Lawton Childs? The name I, sure I, rang a bell I for me. I have no idea. Well, I guess, I guess it's like asking me who was governor of New York <laughs> in 1992. Why would I know? Anyway, he declared a state of emergency and activated about a third of the Florida National Guard. Massive evacuations took place in Monroe County, which is where the Keys are. So very south um, Florida. Uh, Dade, which is where Miami, now Miami-Dade County, um, where Miami is, Broward, which is Fort Lauderdale, Palm Beach, which is West Palm Beach, and then moving north, we got Charlotte County, Collier County, Lee County, Martin County, and Sarasota County. Um, Essentially, like, everybody get the fuck out. Well, there were evacuations for certain people, with 84,000 people occupying 142 shelters within the counties. Mm-hmm. In Dade County alone, which I was born into, Dade County... It's, like I said, now Miami-Dade County. Over half a million people were evacuated. Now, these are hugely populated areas, so you can't say, like, that's most of the population. I mean, there's millions of people in that area. That's like a tenth of the population. (laughs) Well, now, back then, it wasn't quite as populated as it is now, but, but yeah, it's still not everybody. Over 1.2 million people in total were evacuated. Wow. Hotels were booked as far north as Ocala, which okay. is like central Florida, like in the Orlando-ish area. The hotels at Disney World itself were fully booked. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> All 15,739 rooms. Well, hey, if you're going to go on vacation during a hurricane, right? like, fuck it, let's go to Disney World. And in a little bit, we're going to hear a little bit, a little something about that. The evacuation also led to what has been called the largest traffic jam in Florida history. Which is saying something. That is saying something. Especially along I-95. Mm-hmm. 95 runs north, near well, north and south, near the eastern coast of the state. The traffic continued for more than 200 miles oh along the highway. Oh, my God. Yeah. So when my mom Holy and I shit. were trying to outrun Irma, we uh, had my, like, we were looking at Google Maps constantly along the way. Which didn't exist in 1992. Right. No, not at all. But what it did do is, first of all, that trip took way longer than it normally would have, period, just because of the traffic. But having Google Maps, like, saved us from a bunch of jams along the way on 95. I'm sure. So, yeah. 
Just before 5 a.m. on Monday, August 24th, Hurricane Andrew, still a Category 5 storm, made landfall in South Florida near Elliott Key, which is just off the east coast of Florida due directly east of Homestead, which is south of Miami, just south of downtown Miami and Miami Beach, like 25 miles south. There's a uh, NASCAR track in Homestead, correct? Yes, yes. The Homestead Miami Speedway. Yeah. Yes, there is. My mom worked... um, there was an annual fundraiser for Baptist Hospital when my mom worked in development in um, Baptist Hospital where she's been to that Speedway several times because they would have big fundraising events I'm there. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got uh, 100,000 people showing up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, wind gusts reached up to 177 oh miles per hour God. in some areas before most instruments to measure the gusts failed. freaking 5 in the morning. Yes. I know there's still some, a lot of people are still asleep. There, there are still, but there are people getting up to go to work. And well, st- no one's going to work at this point. Oh, that's true. No it's, one is going to work on this Monday morning. But still, I mean. It, it, it was a, it was a nerve wracking time, but again, we'll get to that in our interviews. Wow. Yeah. So. Holy shit. Remember I said that hurricanes generally are mostly just a giant pain in the ass. But this one isn't remembered like that. It is remembered as being very, very scary. Yeah. This, is, this was a and frightening re- and storm. And really fucking serious. Yes. This was a serious and frightening storm. Winds that strong, over 170 miles an hour, and, and over 177 miles an hour measured, and then the equipment failed. So who knows how high it actually got. Um, there, that's that's serious shit, and it can do some incredibly significant damage, and it did. Um, it also made some really horrific sounds. Like, remember I said you're in this dark, yes. dark house, and you just hear what's going on outside? A lot of people's recollections about the storm were the noise, the sound of it. Um, now, to get a first-hand account of what it was actually like to live through Hurricane Andrew... Here's when I'd like to bring in some extra personal stuff for, from me or for me into the story. So I've been back to, like I said, back to Miami a lot lately to help my grandparents as they've transitioned, they're older now, transitioned into an independent living facility, sold their house, the whole bit. Um, so this, to clarify, is my mom's mom and stepdad. Um, and my family actually lived with them for for several years when we first moved back to Miami when I was 11. Um, for the record, my dad's parents both died before Hurricane Andrew. I think my dad's dad died like the year before, and my dad's mom died that year, just oh, a couple okay. months before. That's right. Yeah. yeah. He, he actually considers it, like, I guess a little bit of a blessing in disguise that she didn't have to live through that. She was a little, well, she was like early 60s, late 50s, something like that, but not in the best of health. So it could have gotten really complicated if she had lived through that. Anyway, I guess however you want to view that. But um, so my grandparents are now in their late 70s, early 80s. My grandfather has, because we're going to hear from my grandfather in in these interviews, um, to clarify, he has Parkinson's dementia. um, Still has great recollection of the past. um, Repeats himself a little bit, and we'll we'll hear a little bit of that. But... um, I definitely wanted to get both of my grandparents' recollections of living through the storm. They were both around my parents' age now mm-hmm. um, during during Hurricane Andrew. So I interviewed them on my iPhone. 
So this, these are all iPhone recordings, but it actually worked pretty well. Yeah. It sounds pretty good. Um, now, quick disclosure, there are some contradictory statements. Like either my grandpa saying things a couple different ways or memories not quite um, being well, what... has to be expected. Yeah, this was 25 years ago. Yeah. They're older now. This is firsthand accounts as they recall it, so it doesn't necessarily mean it's the most accurate. It's just yeah. their recollections. So it's just something to keep in mind. So first we're going to hear from my grandfather, my grandpa George. He was a Dade County Battalion chief for the Miami-Dade, or rather for the Dade County Fire Department at the time, and was a firefighter for 35 years before he retired. And he retired because of whatever requirements of the the fire department. He actually loved his job and would have continued working as long as he could there. He really enjoyed being a firefighter. Um, so I asked him, uh, about his experience with Andrew. And keep in mind, this is a person that knows all about personal safety. Oh, yes. What you should do in emergencies, oh, things yes. like this. So mm-hmm. just keep that in mind. Because you have played me bits and pieces of this before. Yes. As a registered firefighter, trying to keep my cool, sometimes that's very difficult to do during such, such times as uh, what we were starting to go through. It's difficult for me to do to try to set an example and be a guard for my own safety at the same time was difficult. But we managed to get through it. It wasn't easy. So now it's hard to tell whether my grandfather was at home or at the fire station on duty. Like I said, some his recollection's a little fuzzy on this, um, and so is my grandmother's. So I'm not entirely sure. Um, but anyway, here's what he had to say about his firefighting duties during the storm. You weren't on duty at the time then. No, or... and it would, it would have been foolish to go back to work because there's yeah. nothing anybody could do. Right. Mm-hmm. You were stuck with those conditions. Yeah. They, they called in a bunch of firefighters mm-hmm. before the storm hit. But what are you going to do during the storm? You can't leave the station. Right. After winds reached, I think it was 25 or 30 miles an hour. Oh. They had a couple of trucks, uh, rescue trucks turned over. Oh, yeah. Got, got broadsided by a heavy wind, uh-huh. knocked them over. So we, we, couldn't, we couldn't leave the stations. Wow. In fact, I spent the entire night in one of the fire trucks in the cab. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't, we couldn't go out on a call. Right, yeah. 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 The down wires. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you have, did you have to help out with any of like the sort of, clean up and getting things back up and running or is there any of that I, we, we helped a little bit but yeah. that wasn't our, our assigned job. right because you had to be available for emergencies yes. yeah yes. no that makes sense yeah wow yeah it was an interesting time yeah that's a, that's a way to put it <laughs> yeah so I found that really fascinating that like basically in the middle of this storm and this is true like kind of all the time too in the middle of a hurricane, you are on your own. Yeah. Emergency even, even services. The, even the fire department was stranded. Well, and, and to clarify, um, Miami-Dade is Miami-Dade Fire Rescue. So they're the paramedics. Sure. They're the fire department. They do it all. They do it all. Yeah, it's an all-in-one thing. So if you're having a heart attack in the middle of a, a like a hurricane... Good luck. Yeah, you're on your own. Yeah, which is, which is really scary. That's why, like, high-risk individuals are advised to go to the hospital to be in the hospital. In fact, I read that like um, 
many women who are in their third trimester of um, pregnancy were advised to be in the hospital yeah, because just, yeah. because the pressure changes and the atmosphere yeah. could affect the pregnant or the the delivery or the fact that yeah. like it potentially induced labor. Just get here. We'll keep an eye on you. Right. And now if, to to yeah. clarify, hospitals are incredibly prepared for hurricanes yes. down in Southport yeah. for for good reason. They've been, they've been through it a time or two. Oh, by now, yes, absolutely. Especially after Andrew. Andrew was like one of the first benchmarks of mm-hmm. of this. Um, so my grandparents, until they sold their home recently and moved a few months ago, lived for almost 50 years across the street from a canal. Yes. Which, as you can imagine... Which I've seen. Yes. Flooding was a potential issue. So here's what my grandfather had to say about flooding. How high did the... Was flooding a problem or was it the wind that was the main thing? That particular storm, the authorities didn't, didn't handle it right. Oh. Because the canal should never have overflowed the way it did. Oh. They were worried about the, the lake over Chilby overflowing. Oh. Instead of opening the floodgates, they just let the water rise. Oh, no. Water came right up on the porch. Yeah. It started to come into the house before yeah. everything stopped. Yeah. It was difficult. But yeah. How long was the worst of it? Like, when, when did you actually get hit? I'd say 45 minutes to an hour was the worst of it. Really? Yeah. Right in the middle of the night. Yeah. So that was that was. But that's his a long time to go through. Something really, really, really intense. Like like you were saying before, you can't see it. No, you're just hearing it. And this is early in the morning. It's like five o'clock in the morning. Like yeah. when he's saying, like it's still mm-hmm. dark out. Like yeah. you can't see anything anyway. Yeah, probably. And just the noises people described, and just. That, that would be fucking intense. Like looking at your front door to see if water's going to creep yeah. up inside. Their their garage is also like on the same level, so yeah, yeah. Obviously, that was super intense. Now, something else my grandfather mentioned that was really interesting was about pressure inside the house and attempts to neutralize the pressure so your roof wouldn't fly off. Well, this is common during tornadoes. Okay, there, I there, didn't know that. There's there is a pressure change. Yeah, well, like yes, almost, uh-huh. almost constantly. So here's what he had to say about, like, pressure and loft. I don't know if they still do it or not. Like, if the wind was coming from that direction, you had to crack a window over here to keep the uh, the pressure balance. Oh, otherwise it would it could, it could, could lift up, like once, loft? Once it started to lift the roof, you were in trouble. You, oh, could, okay. you couldn't save the house. Yeah. So that's crazy to me, the idea that, like... You had to balance the pressure in your house, or literally sure. the roof could lift up. Yeah. And roof damage is like literally the number one oh, thing. It's, it's <laughs> the most, probably the most common. Yes, damage. I remember after just even smaller hurricanes like Katrina and Wilma, there were blue the blue tarp city. There just just like if you drove, so there's no there's no elevation in South Florida. Everything's no, like it's just flat. flat. It is the flattest place possibly on earth. <laughs> Pretty much. But if you go, like, drive on an overpass or something, I remember driving on a highway overpass and looking okay. down and seeing the, see blue. All the blue tarps. Yes. Well, that yes. happened here when we went through the tornadoes. Oh, there yeah. Were several in, uh, in 2011. It was, was 2011. It, was it 11? Yes. Okay, yeah. So my grandmother's mother, so my great-grandmother on my mother's side, um... And my grandmother's stepfather, so my great-grandparents, my, my um, grandmom and pop Bowen, 
lived in a mobile home and homestead. Now, here's a fact that was really scary about Hurricane Andrew. Over 90% of mobile homes in Dade County were destroyed in Hurricane Andrew. Gone. Gone. And 99% of mobile homes in homestead were destroyed. So they stood no chance in their mobile home in in homestead um and there's no foundation all right it's just it, it, there's there's a very famous picture or at least i think it's famous because i've seen it many times it's on the wikipedia article for hurricane andrew of the dayland mobile home park aerial view post yeah, it's just andrew flat. it's gone it's just it is just leveled Mobile home after leveled mobile home. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably where some of the deaths came from. Well, hopefully they were evacuated, like my great-grandparents. They stayed with my grandparents yeah. during the storm and God after. Um, but that Dadeland Mobile Home Park, for anyone who knows South Florida, was at like 137th Avenue and 152nd Street Southwest, obviously. Um, which wasn't obviously. homes... Well... <laughs> Like I said, if you know the area, if you don't, it makes no sense. You have no context. But anyway. Um, but it's not even Homestead. That's just like Southwest Miami-Dade. And so, yeah, it was it was serious, obviously, for um, mobile homes. But now, this is another place where recollections get a little foggy. But by most accounts, my great-grandparents' mobile home was not leveled, but it was certainly destroyed and, like, not livable. So here's my grandfather's recollection on that. Were, were uh, Pop Bowen and Grandma... Um, they they Bowen, came up they, here with us. They were here? Yes. Because their, their trailer got leveled, well, right? It was only... They, they took an aerial photograph of that trailer park the uh-huh, next day. Uh-huh. There was only one trailer left standing. I don't yeah. know if it was theirs or not. Yeah. But all the other trailers in that park were destroyed. Completely yeah. destroyed, yes. Yeah. I remember you telling me a story about when you went to the to their old trailer to try and see if there was anything there, that there was just like one little teacup. Yes. Do you remember that? I might be misremembering that, but... Grandma picked up that teacup. Yeah. And we started, I mean, she was in shock. I said, Mom, put it down. Yeah. Now put it down. Now let's leave. Everything else around, everything had been destroyed. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. There wasn't anything standing at all. Yeah. Homestead got it the worst, right? Like. Yes. Now, it was yeah. supposed to move up between Homestead and uh, Miami. I think it's where it did go. Okay. But it hit more like uh, Homestead than uh, Miami. Okay, it went south a little bit. Yeah, yeah. St- straight across. Yeah. It was a small... Uh, people uh, said something about uh, there were a number of tornadoes. There were, but not one of them touched the ground. Really? Okay. They had little whirlwinds, and that was, yeah. that was it. Yeah. Yeah. That was scary for me as a homeowner and a, uh, yeah. as a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to uh, protect my family, but... Sometimes it's hard to be that kind of leader. Yeah. When you can be just as easily scared. Sure. As anybody else. Yeah. I know, right? That's. He's making that decision in his mind. Like this is going to be tough either way. Yeah. Both as a as the head of the household mm-hmm. and as the head of a fire department. Yes, he was a chief then. I don't know if he was battalion chief at that point or not. He, he was, retired he was in '96. He was in a management position. Yes, absolutely. So he had to make decisions that affected yes. other people. Yes. So and to him, 
not knowing where the barometer of scary was. Mm-hmm. Either way, that I mean, to hear that from somebody who's like, yeah, I've seen it all. I'm a fire chief. Right. And to kind of contemplate, like, I'm not exactly sure I know what to do here. Yeah. Is That's, that's pretty fucking scary. Yes. Coming from somebody who's trained to know what to do. Yes. Yeah, if you want to talk, like... I actually credit my grandfather with one of the reasons I'm obsessed with tragedies because from a young age, he was like drilling into me how to avoid problems, know your exits. That came from my grandfather. I, I learned CPR when I was like 10 or 11 from him and a recessa Annie because he was a CPR instructor for the American Heart Association, you know, so... Well, I mean, firemen deal with a multitude of different physical injuries. Well, and this is is fire rescue. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a a lot. Um, So, yeah, and what my grandfather was saying about, you know, so Andrew went mostly across Homestead, which is just south of Miami. Um, If it had gone any farther north... It would have been 10 times more devastating only because now Homestead, if the same storm were to go through Homestead, it would be so much worse because Homestead has been built up so much in the ensuing years. But at the time, Homestead was much more like sparsely populated, a lot more farmland and that sort of thing, not as residential as it is now. So at that time, if you're going to pick a place for something like that to hit... You know, it, that had the lesser population. It, but you're, yeah, but you're it's saying hard to... at this time, the Category 5 all of a sudden bore down on on, Mi- on Miami proper. Oh, well, yeah, at that point it would have been so much worse, like just in terms of property you're about, damage and You're talking people. about even then there were millions of people living there. Yes. Now there are millions more almost. Yes. So. Yes, it has grown exponentially since then, So so yeah. Um, so, so you heard so, that. So there were, even though there were a lot of deaths, mm-hmm. there were some lucky breaks. It could have been worse. It, re- yeah. it really could have. It really could have. So, um, so you heard the story of my, my grandfather talking about the teacup that sort of morphs a little bit here and there into different things. And we'll kind of hear that in this next clip. Um, but just to, to sort of give some background after Hurricane Andrew, my grandparents built an addition onto their house of the in-laws' quarters. <laughs> which, I, which I saw. Yes, you did. You did. It had a um, walk-in closet, bathroom, bedroom, living and dining area, and kitchen. There, there was also an RPG set up in the window. I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> Are you talking about the fact that my grandfather was a prepper for a while? Well, for good reason, obviously. Well, <laughs> well. Uh, anyway... My great-grandparents... All, all the four-year-old canned food you could ever want. <laughs> that I donated when they moved. <laughs> and even ten-year-old canned food yes, that, that, got, that you'd really want. That got donated. The, <laughs> I tossed the stuff that was expired. Saw, you showed me stuff that was I showed expired. you pictures of the proper stuff. I posted it to Instagram, to, or not to Instagram, uh, to um, Twitter, I think. Or maybe it was both. Anyway, feel free to look back on... Instagram or Twitter if hey, you want to see. if you're fucking desperate, if, if you've just gotten through a Category 5 and there's nothing around you, yeah, I'll, I'll take a chance and some 10 this wasn't like, <laughs> no, but this, the, he was prepping. You know, know the story of the oh, safe yeah. and the guns. So yes, anyway, I do. we're not getting into that. This is already going so long. That's a moving story. 
Yeah. <laughs> Which can also be qualified as a somewhat of a disaster. Well, I'm having PTSD <laughs> and dreaming about it, like, at least once a week, so, yeah, I guess so. Anyway, enough of that. So, my great-grandparents moved in with my grandparents after the storm, and that's where they lived for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. I think my pop Bowen lived another few years. My grandma Bowen died not long after we moved down to Miami, so... Um, like in 96, but anyway, um, so here are some of my grandmother's, so my mom's mom, her recollections, um, of the storm, including the teacups story. Um, like I said, it kind of morphs a little bit. Um, and for what, like, it sounds a little chaotic in the background. My grandfather's kind of adding in his two cents. <laughs> like I said, he is, he's got Parkinson's dementia and he's... 81 now and he's my grandpa so anyway I was worried mostly about losing power uh-huh. you know your, mm-hmm. your food that's in your freezer and uh, I was worried about the roof yeah yeah power and, uh, my mother and uh, father were in a trailer uh-huh. down on Homestead we, moved and, uh, back up here with we us. got them to come up here and stay with us Want to tell them what what your mother did the next day? And we um, we had them with us. You want to come sit over here, Grandpa? We'll be able to hear you better. And um, uh, we were all frightened because it was more powerful than they had expected. And um, so when it had passed, that was the real shocker. When you went out because a lot of roads were blocked because trees were down. and um, In this area particularly, we were on the edge of the storm. Mm-hmm. We were not in the center of it. So we did get damaged. We had a um, poinciana tree in the yard that mm-hmm. had really broke it up bad. And um, uh, we took, we got in the car and we took my mother and father down to the trailer park, which was quite a trek because mm-hmm. roads were blocked and we got in the trailer park and their trailer was, um, it wasn't blown over, but it was really shaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the refrigerator that was in the kitchen was out on the uh, sidewalk. Oh, wow. And uh, my mother went over and she looked at it and she went over in the grass and she picked up a pot lid oh. and put it in the car. <gasps> and as we walked through the trailer, Mm-hmm. So much stuff was destroyed because it was a very wet hurricane. Yeah. And they had lost the roof to their trailer. Mm-hmm. And there was one little teacup uh-huh. hanging on a hook yeah. that was not disturbed. But they lost everything. Yeah. Their photo albums, there was a few things they rescued. And some of their financial records they rescued. A few clothes. Mm-hmm. She was a uh, shock. But everything yeah. was just everywhere, and she was in shock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they came back, and they lived with us. Right, that's when on. you built yeah, the Yeah, we built the uh, efficiency on the yeah. other side. And, uh, but that was the most terrifying storm I had ever been through. So, yeah, pretty traumatizing. And that's somebody who grew up and spent her whole life in South Florida. For the most part. My grandmother? Yeah. Uh, she moved to South Florida when she was 20 or 21. Oh, I thought it was... I thought it was... I thought she was I think born she was there. 21. No, no. My oh, grandmother okay. was born in Delaware. My mom oh, was born in Delaware, too. That's right. Technically. 
Either way, mm-hmm. your grandmother spent the majority of her life in Florida. Yes, yes. She's, she, at this point, she, three quarters of her yeah. life, yeah. And she's saying, like, this is the most terrifying storm I've been through. Yeah. So that's, that's saying something, because mm-hmm. you know she'd been through... Mm-hmm. She's well, lived there for almost 60 years. She's probably been through a dozen or so. Well, and her mother basically lost everything. Yeah. Like, lost... Except for a teacup. Yeah, a teacup. And I found that thing about the pot lid so interesting. I think it was literally just, like... This is this was mine, and this is like one of the few things I can actually hold on to, mm-hmm. and so I'm going to take it with me. Yeah. I wonder how long she kept it. You know, that must have been. That's that's kind of fascinating. Anyway. Yeah. So, so Andrew basically put a giant target on Dade County, with the effects reaching to the immediate south in Monroe County, so like south towards the Keys. And to the immediate north in Broward County, so like gaining on Fort Lauderdale, um, just to give some context. Uh, but the worst of it was in that homestead area. Uh, so I also spoke, in addition to my grandparents, I spoke with my mother's sister, my Aunt Alice, and her wife, my Aunt Catherine, um, about their experiences. So 25 years ago, they were not together at the time. Um, Alice and Catherine. Uh, So they have separate stories. Their stories are not of them being together. So in fact, August 24th is Alice's birthday. So she has like... (laughs) Happy birthday. Yeah, happy happy birthday. Here's a category five. Here's a a hurricane for you. Um, So it actually kind of sucks in South Florida to have a a birthday during hurricane season because that could happen. Uh, Odds are are nobody's going to give a shit. (laughs) Well, there there might be. And there there won't be a way to get to the store to even get to a present. There you go. No public sheet cake for you. (laughs) Happy birthday. The present would be, oh, the power's back on. Right, right. So, as for Catherine, um, my interview with her really illustrated the fact that the storm, like, crept up on people and kind of came out of nowhere, which you alluded to earlier. Um, Something that's interesting about her story is her daughter, Shayna, was, like, I think she says 18 months old at the time. Oh, my God. And she was not... I'm, I'm not entirely sure about the family situation at the time, but throughout the storm, it was her and Shayna. So, wow. yeah, it's pretty interesting. So we'll listen to that now. We were, we were headed to Disney for the weekend. It and, was me and uh, Shayna and her dad and my cousin, Kimmy. Okay. So and we, Shayna was tiny. 18 months. Okay. She was born in May. Okay. So she, May, June, July, August. So not even 18 months. More like 15, 16 months. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I was a nanny okay. for a family who also had gone on vacation. Mm-hmm. So they were out of town, mm-hmm. and we were going. So as soon as we headed to Disney, we actually saw a bunch of cars going the other way, mm-hmm. and we're going, huh, what's going on? Did and you, that's you didn't what, even know what was coming? Didn't, it wasn't wow. until we started listening to the radio uh-huh. that we were hearing news about this this storm, mm-hmm. and it was starting to be real. And so we got all the way up to Orlando and made the decision that the next day we were going to turn around and come back. Wow. Well, there were one. There was three houses that we needed to secure. secure. Oh, okay. So my apartment, my boss's house, uh-huh. and then his house. Okay. So we came we came back and then and Kimmy went back to her parents. So they 
they boarded up their house because they were in Kings Bay. And, okay. No, they were in Pinecrest. Um, so, you know, tape up all the windows and take all the pictures off the walls, mm-hmm. take everything off, everything down that's high so that it doesn't fall or what have you. And then Shane and I m- made camp in a, in a uh, bathroom downstairs. Oh. Where, what neighborhood were you living in at the time? Um, well, I lived up behind um, South Miami Hospital. Oh, okay. Right off okay. of US-1. Yeah. And um, my employer lived off of Miller. Okay. In, a, in those townhouses there. Okay. I don't remember where they were exactly. But anyway, so we stayed on in Miller and, and mm-hmm. their house because it was a lot. Yeah. It was a fortress compared to my little tiny right. apartment, you know. Mm-hmm. And we waited it out, and no power, but at least we were on the water, so we had a mm. we were on the canal, okay. so we had a little bit of a breeze that came in, yeah. and I just stayed there since my employer was out of town. You know, yeah. it was a lot nicer than going back to my apartment, <laughs> yeah. which was um, hot. Yeah, it was just really hot because the whole front window was jalousies. Okay. So you know there, and the one tree that we had in the on the property because their apartment was, I mean, you know, it was my first apartment with my daughter. Yeah. So it was a really tiny, tiny apartment. Uh huh. But and it was an L-shaped building. Okay. So we had this the pool and a big, big, huge tree right in front, and the tree came down. Oh. Crushed, crushed, but everything else was fine. Huh. It was really weird. Yeah. So other than not having any food, you know, we we would have to go to Broward. But Michael at the time lived in North Miami Beach. Okay. So he would just go up to Broward. He Mm -hmm. would get us a whole bunch of junk food and stuff Mm -hmm. and bring it back. And Mm -hmm. that's what Shane and I would, you know, hang out and eat and whatever. Yeah. Honestly, I don't. She was so little mm-hmm. that, and I, you know, my whole job was basically her. Right, right. So it was, it was almost like a welcome distraction to it, be like, yes. no, I can't focus on this. I have to focus on my child, on my infant. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. That was it. That was all. That was the only memory I really had. I mean, I remember us sleeping in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Just. For safety's sake, mm-hmm. you know, but we had no idea what was going to happen yeah. or how it was going to happen, you know. And yeah. we were in Miller, so we were kind of far west. Yeah. And we, you know, so we weren't, you know, we weren't on the wrong side of the US-1. Mm. We weren't really in the heart of it because we mm-hmm. weren't far enough, far enough south. Right. So, you know, it was inconvenient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a mess. It was hard to get in and out of the complex. It was hard yeah. to go anywhere. But, you know, hey, I had a week off. What was I yeah. doing? <laughs> so, yeah, the whole thing about being in the bathroom is, you know, windowless room. Mm-hmm. So if you didn't have shutters or whatever, like she talked about taping up the windows. Yeah. It's not very safe. Yeah. It's only going to do so much. Yeah. But it's interesting, too. Like, I feel like, you know, she was, she was like, yeah, I don't really remember much other than, like, it was kind of a hassle afterwards. Probably part of that is, like I was saying, she had to be focused on her daughter. Mm-hmm. She had a baby with her. And I can't imagine the pain that that would have been taking care of a baby without electricity. But um, also, part of it was probably just also, like, blocking it out a little bit. Yeah. 
Like, you just sort of, you know those... I've got something else to focus on. Right? Or you know those tough times that you look back on, you're like, I remember it sucking, but I don't remember any specifics about it. Yeah. It's kind of like the brain protecting itself. Like, yeah, you don't need to remember that, you know? So, um, Alice, my Aunt Alice, my mom's sister, had some really interesting um, insights as to the difference in reporting on hurricanes from 25 years ago to now. So I'd like to play that. But um, disclosure on this, it sounds kind of funny because I was interviewing her in a car, in the (laughs) backseat of a car. My dad was driving and Catherine was in the front seat and we were driving back from Funky Buddha, which if you're ever in Fort Lauderdale, oh my God, please go Go to to Funky Funky Buddha. Buddha amazing brewery. I have been drinking my Duclaw beer out of my Funky Buddha koozie because it's just an amazing, amazing place. So here's um, Alice's recollections on sort of how Andrew seemed to come out of nowhere. So tell me about your experience with one Hurricane Andrew. Well, uh, it came out of nowhere and like around the Thursday or Friday before watching the news and there was this storm out in the Atlantic that hadn't moved off of its lateral course and uh, for several days. And so uh, my roommate and I at the time, we said, you know what, let's prepare, let's go out. So we went to Publix, there was nobody there. We huh. filled our cart with groceries and people looked at us like we were going camping or something. That's, so and, do you think it was Andrew that changed all that? Because every time a hurricane was coming when uh, when we were living down here, like you couldn't get anything from Publix. Well, I, I think what happened was is I just happened to be watching the news oh, okay. and I saw it, but it, it, people don't uh, prepare for storms like that the way that, you know, we're supposed to as soon as the season starts, you're supposed to start... Right. getting your your uh, your provisions and everything but people wait to the last minute anyway and this storm came so fast there was really no time for people I'm talking about going shopping on a Saturday and it hit late Monday night I think it was that Monday so within a day and a half it was on already on top of us was there not the the 24 hour like because I feel like now, if something is even, like, coming off the coast of Africa, they're covering yeah. it 24-7. So I guess it wasn't like that so no, much. No, it huh? really wasn't. I mean, the news cycles then weren't 24 hours. Yeah. Not every channel was a news channel. There was no internet news yeah. or tweeting or anything like that. So you relied on the afternoon news or the evening news or maybe the late, the 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock news before you knew what was was going on. And this, like I said, the storm, they just talked about it, and a day and a half later, it was on top of us. That's crazy. And so fast. And and they just, she just, essentially just, she was like, I got lucky. Like, just happened to catch the news. Right. And was like, hmm. And they, they went to Publix within 36 hours of the storm, and no one else was, like, really Nobody hip was, to it. No, it's... Oh, not my like, God. Yeah, that like, would be, like, a week before. Yes. It, it, without exaggeration, that is exactly what it's like. So, um, 
Now, not only was August 24th Alice's birthday, but that weekend, so it hit on Monday, but that weekend was her 10-year high school reunion. Oh, God, that's funny. <laughs> so she had quite the, quite the weekend. So here's her, um, here's her recollections about the storm itself and riding it out. Well, I had, uh, 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 that was my 10-year uh, high school reunion that weekend, and I was out on Miami Beach, and I made it to the Friday night uh, Festivities, uh, festivities yeah. yeah, and then that Saturday we were uh, hunkering down and getting our supplies, and it moved in fast. And uh, it was, it was, the blessing was that it was so fast that it didn't uh, stay over us yeah. for very long. It was a very fast moving. It wasn't a wet storm, but it was, it was huge. Mm. And it wasn't until several months later, even after the storm literally took out the hurricane center, uh-huh. that it had been recategorized from a four to a cat category five. Oh, wow. And uh, I was in an apartment at the time, no shutters on the door, uh, on the windows. Uh, your landlord had no obligation to yeah. secure the property or anything. And uh, it was probably around 11 or 12 o'clock when our power went out but we think that FPL shut us down really yeah because we got our power back within a few days and so oh. many people had no power for months uh-huh. so when the storm started rolling in um, you know you could hear the wind whipping up and uh, transformers were popping and you could see the sparks flying off of the telephone poles and uh, the, the hallway that our apartment door opened out onto, there was a uh, utility room down at the end of the hall and the door was open and the whole night it just opened and closed oh. and slammed and slammed and slammed and it sounded like gunshots. Oh. And um, it, it felt like the windows were groaning and uh, we were on the first floor and uh, the roof came off of the apartment over us and it it was just a horrible sound we didn't know what was happening yeah. and uh, all I can imagine it's really weird the things that go through your mind I'm looking up at the plate glass windows that we have just waiting for something to shatter it and there's the scene in um, The Shining Oh, uh-huh. where the little kid is on his big wheel and he's looking mm-hmm. down the hallway and then the twins are there yep. and then the blood just starts pouring it's out the of elevator, the elevators yeah. and just this slow motion I mean that was the equivalent of a horror right. a horror movie for me and it was really very scary with uh, just the noise that it made so uh, yeah that's fucking scary yes and here's the thing like my aunt Alice She's an amazing person. She's hilarious. She is. And very funny, very lighthearted. And when I I remember when I interviewed her for this, and actually everybody that I interviewed, like, I came at it with like, oh, David and I are doing a podcast. Let me interview you. And like fake interviewing, like to start the seriousness with which they started talking, there was not much joking around no, with what we were it was saying. Fucking real. It turned very serious very yeah. quickly. Yep, exactly for that reason. I mean, like, and, and the way Alice described it, like, this was scary. Well, the this way your grandfather, your grandfather, just he was, uh, I believe he used terrified. 
I don't he definitely know. used scared. Yeah. And this is a man that's trained to know what to do in yeah. these situations, and he was scared. Mm-hmm. On mm-hmm. two different fronts. He was scared for his own family, and he was scared for his own uh, uh, fire unit. Right. Because like, mm-hmm. it kind of led the impression he didn't exactly know how to guide either one. Right. Because this was such a crazy storm that yeah. happened so quickly. So. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... Glad I've never been through one of those. Yeah. We got the remnants of Matthew. Mm-hmm. I've had the remnants of other hurricanes. I've mm-hmm. never been in a hurricane. No. No, no thanks. And f- and frankly, this area in North Carolina hasn't really... Ex- like, there's a, oh, Hurricane Fran, no. And it kind of... No. Yeah, and it kind of couldn't, because we're in the center of a state. Uh, right. At least for the time being. We yeah. shall see what climate change leads yeah. to eventually. The coast, but... the coast of North Carolina, completely oh, different yes. story. Oh, yes. We're far, just far enough away from that that the worst we're yeah. ever going to get is a, yeah, heavy, we're lucky on is, that is a heavy rain for a day yeah. or two. Yeah, yeah. So, so yes, hurricane season now for us is not such a nail biter, but it certainly is when you're living down there. So anyway, we have run <laughs> so far beyond any like record of length for our episodes. So this is clearly going to be a multi-parter. This has been our first megasode. Meg megasode. Megasode. Mega multisode. Mega multisode. Multi or is it multi megasode? Mega multisode. Mega multisode. All right. So this has been part one of Hurricane Andrew. And this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week.